0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cape Town, where a superhero podcast about superhero things. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Pashenblood. And we are it for this podcast. <laughs> Mom and Dad, are, I guess it's just like the two of us tonight. Uh, um, this podcast has
1: him. been it's been snapped.
0: I miss them all. <laughs> Were you yeah. sitting on that all night? You didn't even drop it in on our pre-recording banter. Uh,
1: I know, I know. I just wanted it to be fresh and like really land. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it landed uh, for like,
0: everyone else. tickled me. We yeah. like, when did we decide to, You like texted me this morning and said, maybe it should just be the two of us because uh, it wasn't really a snap so much as like a slow dev- de-evolution of people who said they'd be able to do this over the weekend with uh, Ryan and Hannah being caught up in, what sure sounds like more parental duties. But they didn't give us any
1: specifics this time. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I think parents and parental and work, I think, just kind of took over, which is fine.
0: Neither all the work we did too.
1: (laughs) I was about to say you and I don't have to worry about that, but I guess we do have jobs to attend to. (laughs) We do have jobs. We have
0: pets. Ooh,
1: we do. Which are they are our children.
0: I mean, we love them like like our own children.
1: <laughs> Do you ever get to that point where you're like you're taught, like people are telling you stories about their own children, and then you're like, you want to make a comparison to your like your cat or your dog? Oh, Every my cat for me, and I'm just like. I probably shouldn't, like, compare my, like... I was my- talking
0: about it earlier today, actually. I feel the exact same way. Because you want to relate. Like, that's how we have conversations in a society. But I have nothing to compare it to besides my dog. My currently two dogs were, like, fostering this stray we found uh, oh, yeah. last night. I
1: heard about this. What, yeah. At least...
0: Tell me about it. Speaking of very stressful situations, I'm a two-child household right now. <laughs> uh, between my dog, Willie, who you know, Chris, who's who's kind of a grumpy old man. And then we have a little dog that my wife has taken to calling Matches, who I found. It's it's cold and wet here in Nashville right now. And I found him literally pawing at the door of a church as I was driving by. Oh this little gosh. guy just like trying to get in. And, uh, so through like a very long series of, of circumstances, oh, he's like, he's out here right now. He's coming up to say hi. Um, through this very long series of, of circumstances, he ended up in our house and we've kind of said that we're like just holding on to him until we find him his, his forever home. But I I feel like this could be one of those things where two years from now we're still like, yeah, when we find the right person, we're going to get rid of him.
1: Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh when when I heard about what I heard about like it pawing at the church door, I just like it was so movie esque that that it, is, it was so movie esque. Yeah.
0: It was like yeah. raining, like it was like a gray. It was it was uh, it was one of those things that doesn't really work. Your script professor, script professor would tell you to take it back because it's too on the nose. Because <laughs> uh, he was like shaking and he was skinny and he didn't want to come up at first, uh, but he's he's getting along just fine in the household now. So that's the stress that I have going on in my household now. And I feel like two, like managing two dogs is equal to maybe managing one child in the household.
1: Sure. 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 Two so dogs that's equals one human. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's our scale moving forward. So,
0: so you've got a half child household with Buffy, the cat. Yeah. Who's a very sweet. Who's a, who's the sweetest girl. Hey, thank you. <laughs> We've raised her. Well, um, Man- manners and all. <laughs> So, so what we are going to do for this podcast, because we do actually have an episode prepared about a character that we really like. We actually have a special segment. I talked to a special guest today for this character, but I didn't want to, we didn't want to run off like half cocked, I guess, without having the full team around for the character we're doing. So you and I are just going to do a little, like mom and dad are gone, let's do whatever we want. We're just going to do a little news roundup tell people some of the stuff that we've been thinking about. And we will be, I want to warn people now at the end of this podcast episode which is going to be a short one we are going to move into Avengers 4 spoiler chatter because we've both heard some possibilities for the next Avengers movie chris this is a little more your zone than mine really because i feel like you you kind of enjoy looking up spoilers and i don't but i've just i've i've happened across them the spoilers happened to me I I couldn't avoid them. Um, So we can get into, we'll give you guys a fair spoiler warning before we get into the, if you want to be completely surprised, but we're going to talk a little bit about rumors. But first, let's talk about things that we do know.
1: So WB has made a lot of missteps in their whole DC universe. Um, Mm -hmm. Top to bottom, I think, I don't think anything has been really good. Which we've gotten
0: criticized for being too hard on them. We talked about this a few days ago on on social media. We get we we people have said that we are too hard on WB and the DC the DC extended universe in general. I actually,
1: forgot that we had that conversation, and it's just honestly a natural reaction at this point. To- <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think they did make a really good move this past week when they yeah. uh, the whole James Gunn scandal being uh, fired oh, from. Man disney uh you know because of his old tweets wb actually picked him up and they're bringing him on he's signed on now to uh write and direct the suicide squad two, um which is like it's such a good move like it just it really feels like a good move i mean they wanted dc wanted or warner brothers wanted uh you suicide squad to be their guardians of the galaxy and now they have access to like what really made that special um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see like you know how this could potentially like put a spark back into the uh, DC universe.
0: It's a coup in every way. It's just like I feel like Disney looks stupid. And we've talked about some of the like complications, like the 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 definite like nuance needed in the discussion around the James Gunn firing situation. But with DC just bringing him on to Suicide Squad, it feels like a coup. And it looks—it sure looks like Disney just kind of bungled this one. And um, it was after Suicide Squad 1, you, you could have never told me that there would be news that would get me excited about the sequel, which I guess based on what they're saying is going to be a sequel in spirit only. It's out, They're teasing a very, I think the exact quote is, a fresh Vision for Suicide Squad, which it couldn't be fresh enough sure. after the first one.
1: I have to imagine they'll keep on like the big heavy hitters like Margot Robbie and Will Smith, well, and then least, build yeah. around that.
0: If you start there and then kind of see where it goes, but if but Suicide Squad felt like such a lame pastiche of Guardians, and and it was bad. I think it was worse than Batman for Superman. I think it was the worst. I one of the worst superhero things I've ever seen in a movie. It was really bad. And um, and then just getting James Gunn, if DC can stay out of his way enough to just let James Gunn do what he did for Marvel with Guardians of the Galaxy, you could potentially have something pretty special on your hands.
1: Almost as special as this podcast having the word pastiche in it's. Of <laughs> um, I've never had to Google something so quickly and like figure out
0: what it means. <laughs> we're both we're both men of culture with Ryan yeah. and Hana I think we can let our freak flags fly a little ooh, bit. Ooh,
1: man, no, I, yeah, I think you know what was really interesting is that what I loved about the whole Disney Fallout was how much like the cast specifically David Batista got behind James Gunn in the whole deal. And now there's, yeah, now there's even that, like, Batista's even come out saying, like, to a point, like, I'm in. like
0: (laughs) He said, sign me up on Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the news about James Gunn getting hired by DC and said, sign me up. That is a, I I feel like Batista has caused more headaches for Disney and Marvel than James Gunn did before they let him go. You know, like, it seems like just a... A horrible PR situation that Batista is, is really leveraging in his favor. And he knows that Marvel can't very well fire the guy. Like they can't get rid of Drax because uh, they need to make an, a, another Avengers movie. I, I'm just surprised that I'm surprised at every single move in this. And it remains a really interesting, even beyond the realm of this podcast, just sort of a look at what how film studios are going to have to evolve in 2018 with the new sensitivity that I think is mostly good around these sorts of conversations and and histories of dealing with sensitive subjects but I think in they they just didn't do this one right. they just didn't do it right. they did it And DC gets pulls a rare win over Marvel it gives them their first maybe their really first bona fide like W on the board other than the other than Wonder Woman.
1: Hey, I think we all win.
0: Oh, I mean, I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm excited for it. And if he gets Batista in it, so much the better. But as you put in in the little list of news you sent over today, Marvel had a big win this week as well. Uh, Although it was probably like the most no brainer of any like big news that that I could have imagined coming out this week about the superhero movie universe. But Ryan Coogler did finally, finally sign on to write and direct uh, Black Panther sequel. Uh, he wrote and directed the first one. Usually Marvel is pretty quick about lining up these sequels. Uh, they've announced uh, sequels even before the first movie has, has even debuted in theaters. Uh, but this one, they gave it a few months. And I don't know I don't know if Kugler was playing hardball with his contract or if Marvel just couldn't quite decide where they wanted to go with Black Panther 2 or if they didn't know what characters they'd have rights to. But it took them longer than it usually does.
1: I think what it came to, at least what I've read was it came down to a timing issue. Like he, oh, sure.
0: um,
1: so I think that that was the biggest thing that was holding it back.
0: Like with other projects uh, that cooler is working on.
1: Right. And probably like everybody else. So I think that they were just trying to figure out like when everybody could like, you know, come back together. Um, so yeah i I don't even know like when this actually slated. I don't know which like spot I Marvel's laid out so many like unclaimed spots over the next you know five years yeah yeah um, so I don't know where it's gonna fall in that but yeah as of right now he's uh he's signed on
0: do you have any predictions about the about what the sequel especially like what the bad guy in the sequel would be? no idea
1: they've like taken two his two main villains uh yeah. you know off the table with claw and um killmonger so yeah i'm really curious like what it's going to be like will it be like will it be wakanda finding its like more of a political like wakanda finding its place in uh the world post avengers 4 like yeah it'd be very i think it'd be very interesting just to kind of see the direction that they end up going with it uh you know with two like major villains and the black panther lore off the map
0: well we don't want to get into too many potential spoilers but uh, a major nemesis for Black Panther in the comics has always been Prince Namor, um, who's the king of Atlantis in the Marvel universe. The same way that Aquaman is the king of Atlantis in the DC universe. I think this would be a good place to introduce him. I just don't know if Marvel would wanna introduce Namor quite this soon after Aquaman from DC. It would feel like a, might feel like a little too much like a copycat move. But it's also a good place to bring Doctor Doom in if they wanted to introduce Doom as a villain. I feel like as a rival, the idea of Doctor Doom's country of Latveria being sort of a rival nation to Wakanda would be interesting and and really easy to pull off in a sequel.
1: That's interesting. That's an interesting like yeah, like I'd never really thought of like associating Doctor Doom with that like with Black Panther story. That could be an interesting approach. I I don't know if I'm like fully sold on it because I like. I still my gut is that they're still going to use Sokovia the like rebuilding Sokovia as a Doctor Doom origin. Oh,
0: okay. I never I never heard that take, but that's a good idea.
1: That just feels most natural like a city like like thinking of people who worship Doctor like a, a certain people who worship Doctor Doom, like him coming in, rebuilding that country into something like where he serves as their protector to where something like Ultron never happens again kind of makes sense but it kind of it not that like they have to follow it to that, you know it just removes this like key like name of latveria off the map Mm -hmm. for dr doom but still i you know for the sake of story i I don't think it's gonna matter
0: do they i don't think they've even put a an exact date on when the sequel would release right 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 yeah Uh, well so they got some time to work with um Mm -hmm. you put this in and i'm trying to think about i feel like i've seen all these Um, we've had, we're getting a lot of behind the scenes, like sort of, uh, it feels like sort of surreptitious photography of the Spider-Man far from home set that we may or may not supposed to be seeing, but they, you, you can't very well stop it. Um, and we have seen at least, I can think of two different Spider-Man costumes that I've seen. Are there three?
1: Yeah, there've been three so far there. There's like the, so there's the one that from civil war slash homecoming like not his like old school suit but like the technical just the, like first, the, the first yeah one like the tony stark tony suit stark, that he yeah. made yeah yeah um and then like all this past weekend like i feel like Twitter and Reddit kind of blew up with photos. They were filming on the streets of New York um, and so it w- he was in a new suit that was black and red, kind of like a throwback to the old um, the original Dika.
0: Right, right. I remember seeing so, that one.
1: Yeah. And then there was essentially one more that's kind of like a military-esque slash homage to the Spider-Man Noir suit.
0: Right. Okay. That is... Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So... I'll leave it there, but so there. But there have been three photos, and like to that point, like to your point of like, I'm not sure if we should have seen these. That one we definitely shouldn't have seen. (laughs) Like nobody should have seen yet. Um, but I mean, like they couldn't. I mean, they were filming on the streets in New York. Everybody, like there were just people hanging out, like all around production, Uh, which was really cool to see. Like, I don't know. Like it made it. It made the like him being like New York's hero. Just you know, it's such a. I don't know. It was just like a nice little reminder it just like i'm excited to see where they actually go with that
0: taking him out of new york feels like sort of a risk because he does seem like such a quintessentially new york hero it's kind of like taking batman out of gotham but even more so because new york is new york city is a real place and uh and it seems like such a i don't mind him being an international like we we've already seen him in outer space and infinity war but it does it's so heartwarming to see him be sort of this new york like like, the superhero of the Big Apple. Like, it's just, like, something that that is always really, like, fun to see. Uh, I don't know how much time we're going to spend in New York in the next one. But Far From Home would suggest that it won't be a whole lot of time.
1: Yeah, most a lot of the shootings have t- taken place in Europe so far. And, so, and for what I know, this is, like, the first set stuff in New York though, so far.
0: It's been interesting how much different costumes have become so much a part of the Spider-Man story. It feels like that's kind of a recent years thing that, the between the video game, uh, which obviously has gotten a lot of attention for what, something like 20 different suits, I think that you can pick up in the game, um, to the various crossover events that bring in a lot of different Spider-Man, like the British Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2099, Spider-Man Noir. Obviously, Enter the Spider-Verse coming out has Spider Gwen and Miles Morales' Spider-Man and Spider Ham. It seems like these increasingly these different iterations are as as much a part of Spider-Man as Peter Parker is.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it really is interesting. And like I feel like that. Was a really big thing with Dan Slott's run with yeah. Peter Parker yeah. getting more, uh, more accessibility to technology and being able to do more stuff with his suits. Um, it really did become a lot more part of his lore. So like thinking about what they are actually like, how are they, how are they going to justify all these different suits, you know, is is he getting these from Tony Stark? Is he getting these from another place? Like he obviously can't make these super high tech suits. So like what, where are they coming from as a high schooler? So it'd be interesting to see like why all the costume changes and, you know, how they dive into that and how they set them up, uh, you know, moving forward after Avengers four. So Yeah. It, it the 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 noir the noir uh suit like that's that's the one i'm really interested in i think the black and red one that they released this weekend um from new york looks awesome but it'd be really the black one really just the noir one just like really like piques my interest on so like where does he get it from so do you have a favorite? Be interesting
0: do you have a favorite of the the alternate suits?
1: Uh, oh this like this new black and red one looks it so looks pretty so sick good.
0: It looks so good. Uh, I really like it a lot. We The black yeah. the black one is an interesting little like nod. It doesn't go all the way there, but it's an interesting sort of nod to the symbiote suit, which I don't know if they're, I don't know if the MCU is going to even touch the symbiote thing. They're in kind of a weird place with Venom right now, obviously, both because there's a Venom movie that they previously kind of went into disavow any involvement with that has since gone on to become a very big block like have a lot of financial success that I don't think anybody expected happening, which might make Disney a little more inclined to be like, Oh, we could maybe find room for Spider-Man in the Venom verse.
1: Yeah. I, man, I I can't express how annoyed I've been watching those box office (laughs) numbers. (laughs) Like there was part of me that was like, I'm not giving them any of my money. And now I'm like, Oh, well it just won't even make a difference. So might as well go see it. I
0: feel like I've kind of made my point by not seeing it in the first week. Like, my case has right, been right. made I can right. go catch it now. I think I will go see it because I think I was telling you like a few people who I actually, cause at first it was just getting critically panned and which was to the surprise of nobody. Like the critics really didn't like it. And then initially there was a lot of fan chatter about how it's actually pretty good, which again, not that surprising. The people who go see it opening weekend are going to be people who are kind of ride or die for the character and that's fine. But I've since had a lot of people who I actually kind of like whose some opini- opinions I respect, leave the theater and say they actually thought it was a pretty decent movie. And so now I don't know what, I was not going to see it um, like you. And now I kind of feel like curiosity is going to get the better of me some afternoon and I'm going to have to go see what's going on. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) It'll be out on Netflix at some point.
1: Right. I know. Like that's the thing is it feels like it's, it will be it'll be somewhere streaming soon enough. Is it worth actually spending? I definitely don't need
0: to go see it in the theater. Uh, so let's talk about, this is a kind of an interesting one. I do want to hear, I have kind of a take on this that may or may not be the right thing to do, but Scarlett Johansson, the black widow movie is moving forward. There is a script. There is a director. Scarlett Johansson is officially going to be the black widow. And what sure sounds like it's going to be a prequel, like what happened to black widow before we met her in the first, uh, and iron man two. I'm on board with all of that. Uh, and then the big deal is that Scarlett Johansson is getting, was it 50 million? 15. 15 yeah. million. Well, 15 yeah. million, which, which is the first time that she's made the same amount that Chris Evan and Chris Hemsworth have for one of these movies. Uh, that's the sort of money that they were raking in for their past Avengers and and uh, solo movies, which people were really
1: on board with. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think anybody is like, "Hey, like, she doesn't deserve well, this." No, <laughs> I'm
0: certainly. <laughs> well, not. you know, what? I,
1: I, hey, I actually take that back. There are a lot of terrible people who I'm are just sure like
0: people. I'm sure there are people on Twitter who are saying she doesn't deserve it. I'm not going to say she doesn't deserve the same amount of money that uh, that that Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth do. I think, as I understand it, Robert Downey Jr. still makes like a healthy amount more than anybody else in these movies does. And nobody seems to have any bad blood about that. In fact, I think Robert Downey Jr. has even sort of campaigned for the rest of the Avengers to make more money, maybe not quite as much as he is, but he's helped them negotiate for, for better money. So I, I don't think there's any hard feelings about that. I'm, I'm surprised that that uh, it, it's taken this long. I, maybe I shouldn't be, but it's taken this long for her to be making the same kind of money that these guys are. Uh I mean She hasn't had a solo trilogy. I, I get that. I do get that. But that's think, that's Marvel's think, fault, not hers.
1: Sure, sure. I think that that's the thing is that, you know, these other people, that, these other actors that you're talking about, they've all carried their own respective franchise. Like, I, I don't think that, you know, like Jeremy Renner is... Granted, I know that there has been, like, history there of, like, him even coming out and saying, like, he's not the one to advocate for. Someone else, you know. I think even his female co-stars making money, like alongside the same yeah. money as him.
0: Yeah.
1: So maybe he's not the best. Uh, he's been a little here.
0: messy, just kind of across the board with a lot of things that he said in public. Yeah. I, I think Disney's wisely kind of keeping him out of the spotlight.
1: Yeah. I am really glad that is happening. I'm glad that we're getting the movie. I hope that, you know, I think that they will do, they will give us a really good, they'll take, I I feel like they're going to really take care of this property, especially given how much that she has dedicated to being this kind of side character for so many years. And now she gets put to the front. I feel like they're really going to nurture whatever story that they do uh, approach with her. Um, So, yeah, I, I am really excited. You know, I think, you know, just for the comic book movie landscape, and even for Scarlett. Granted, like I can imagine she's hurting in her day to day life financially, sort of but like
0: more of a, a spiritual victory than anything. Because Scarlett Johansson right. already has fifteen million, and nobody, nobody needs fifteen million dollars, and this has got nobody needs fifty million dollars for being in a movie. But given that that's the financial like world that we're dealing with right now. I'm glad that she at least has equity with her with her male co-stars in this in this particular instance and I wish it, I do wish it happened sooner like it seems it seems kind of bogus that it took them this long to deliver one movie not even a trilogy like Captain America and Thor and Iron Man have gotten but one Black Widow movie it, it just seems it, it just seems stupid that it took them this long cuz she was really in many ways Scarlett Johansson was the most bankable star they had in these movies when they first came out. Robert Downey Jr. was washed up and Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth were pretty much unknowns.
1: I mean we know that she can like take on these action roles, like even as a leading lady. Mm -hmm. Like granted, like whatever you have to say about Lucy and Ghost in the Shell, you know People have a lot to say about those movies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll let them say Uh, that's fine. Um yeah, but yeah, I think like so we know that like she can she has that like at least action move leading lady ability. So, I think with good writing behind it, I you know, my biggest hope for this is that they start expanding on her comment to um in civil in civil war when her and Bucky fight and just like that brief moment where she says, "You don't even remember me." um or something along the lines, those lines. I really hope that they expand on that a little bit. Granted, like I don't want it to be a story about like their, like whatever potential relationship.
0: I kind of do. I kind of ship them a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do.
1: Eh. I don't know. Like I think if we're, I think if we're talking about her, like getting her, like finally getting her story, I really hate to see it immediately go to like a story, like a potential a romance. Romance love story. Yeah. A romance inside of this, you know, spy movie or something. So,
0: in the comics I don't she's know. had That's... a few. She's been attached to Bucky, obviously, and also Daredevil, uh, which isn't gonna happen in, in this MCU, obviously. But uh, but I think it's kind of a I don't know, I'm kind of into it. I feel like there's somebody else I'm forgetting there too. Maybe Hawkeye. Has she, have her and Hawkeye kind of been a thing, maybe, in the comics? I'm
1: thinking about Fraction and uh, Fraction's Run, and I feel like there's a there's that really great issue where <laughs> yeah, they have about. it's like. Yeah, it's like mocking. I think that she's a part of like Mockingbird, her and Black the Widow, and then one other
0: Black Widow, and uh, and there's somebody else in that run up.
1: Yeah, uh, Spider Woman. It wasn't
0: a- Spider Woman. Yeah, Jessica-
1: That's it. Everybody, go read. We've said this thousands of times on Can't this say show. It too many times
0: That fractions Hawkeye is the is it's on my like Mount Rushmore of comic books forever.
1: Yeah, forever. It, It's an it's a Eisner award winning comic book like which the Eisners are, you know, the Academy Awards for uh for comic books. So, it is it is great.
0: And Matt Fraction is married to Kelly Sue DeConnick, who gave us Captain Marvel, which is coming out this year. Like that's what a great nerd romance. One of the all-time great nerd <laughs> romances in in history. It's amazing. And Matt Fraction is is really really great at that Hawkeye book. <laughs> you mentioned that Scarlett Johansson is up, can obviously hold her own in action scenes. You know who can't hold their own in action scenes, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me. Finn Jones, who is Iron Fist in Marvel's uh, Netflix series Iron Fist, has struggled to catch any traction, and he has he's struggled, I would say, to stand out from the from the pack. Uh, when surrounded by shows like Daredevil, Luke K., Jessica Jones, but he did manage to stand out in one regard this week, and that his was the first show to be canceled. <laughs>
1: You know, you got to take your records where you can. I guess <laughs> can't be too picky like,
0: with your yeah with yeah. yeah. You get. I, I've told you that I, I thought season two made some significant improvements, and I do. I I don't think they were enough. I, I understand why why Marvel's calling it quits on this one, but um, I actually just like I haven't finished the se- the season yet. Even I, I'm sure some listeners have, and if you want to weigh in on them, you're welcome to give us a call. Maybe we can bring you on. But uh, but I do feel like what I've seen so far i kind of i thought it was okay there's some good stuff there but but the most but the least interesting part of it by a huge margin is the lead character is finn jones he's just miscast
1: he is so hard to watch he is so hard to watch and like and it yeah i guess it's just not a surprise that this happened at all um Yeah, I don't really, like, I have nothing else to really comment on You watched
0: some of season one? I watched all of season
1: one. Like, I crawled through season one. It's such
0: a slog.
1: It it really is. And that actually taught me, I'm kind of, like, in retrospect, grateful for it because it kind of taught me, okay, I don't need to, like, if I'm not enjoying something, (laughs) I can, I don't have to, like, put myself through it. Like, I think that there was, like, some little, like, obligation inside of me, like, completionist obligation inside Mm -hmm. of me that I put on myself uh, to finish it. And, like, man, guys, if you're just not, if you're not enjoying something, take this whole life lesson. If you're not enjoying (laughs) something, just (laughs) walk away from it. There's so much good stuff out there. We live in the golden got, era
0: of TV. Everybody knows it. There's it great television out there. We don't need to... That, that I feel the same way. It's why I jumped ship on Luke Cage season two. I want to like yeah. Luke Cage. I, I appreciate what Luke Cage is, is doing. But it's not the show that I want to finish. It's not a show that I want to finish.
1: Yeah. It's shows that I want to finish. Get, get some spooks in your life. Go over to The Haunting of Hill House and just... Oh, man. I haven't even dug into it yet. Is it good? watched episode one last night. And I'm still in. Elise is out we'll see how this goes did it, did it too spooky for uh yeah it just still like it's just very it gets it gets spooky <laughs> like well,
0: yeah. yeah you know it's the season though
1: yeah yeah i know that's how i feel like i know if i don't finish it before halloween i'll never like really actually care to right, get right, into right. it. so yeah i think i'm gonna stick with it and try to knock it out over the next uh 15 days and then um
0: so yeah we'll see but and better news for Marvel's Netflix series. And Chris, I feel bad for even because I feel like more than anybody else, I've talked ear off about this so far. And it, it's like, and it feels annoying to be the guy who can talk about this to somebody who can't really talk of who, who hasn't seen it yet. Um, but this Friday, the Friday after this episode releases uh, daredevil season three comes out. Uh, I've been able to see a few episodes of it uh, in advance as part of the, as uh, some of the episodes released to critics ahead of time. And I could not be more excited to see the rest of this series. I couldn't be more thrilled for what a huge leap, in my estimation, this show has made in terms of its quality since season two, which was which was definitely uneven, and the rest of the Netflix series, which have really struggled since some early victories. Uh, this th- season three is is awesome it's awesome i i was the first netflix marvel netflix show in such a long time that i was clicking next on not out of obligation but because i just couldn't wait to see where they went with these characters
1: when you started telling me about this uh the first time um i was like i'm very aware of your daredevil bias and
0: and I I do love the kid. People know I I've, I've said Daredevil is my favorite superhero and he's definitely like on my list of top 5 favorite superheroes.
1: Yeah. And so I know that that's there for you and so I was kind of I was kind of skeptical and then the embargo for everybody got lifted and I think along I think like the standard is they everybody gets six episodes, those six episodes yes. and across the board every like I did not re- read a single bad thing about this. Uh, about this show, at least the first half of the season.
0: So, um, it could, it could still fumble because I feel like honestly, season two was pretty strong for the first six episodes and it was only, it wasn't amazing, but it, but it was solid for the first six episodes and then really went off the rails in the back half of the season. So I'm ready. I'm prepared for the possibility of that um but the things that are set up it really hits all of my buttons in particular because it really leans into tortured catholic matt Murdoch, which is 100% my like that, that's extremely my jam uh, i've i really love the aspect of matt Murdoch that deals with his uh very fraught relationship with his catholic upbringing and they go they they Go into the paint on that one in this uh, in this season, but they also bring they really put the focus back on Wilson Fisk as uh, the kingpin, who as Vincent D'Onofrio gives such a good performance there. And then they finally introduce, after two seasons, they bring in a really iconic Daredevil bad guy and Bullseye, who here is played by sort of a disgraced FBI agent named Poindexter, and. uh, and I, I can't say enough good things about that character either. They they change quite a bit about him. He is not super uh, indebted to his comic book counterpart, but they take him in a in in a direction that I would say is very rem, was reminiscent to me in a lot of ways of like a horror movie or a slasher movie. They they definitely borrow a lot of things from like the the Halloween movies for his characterization, and it works like gangbusters.
1: Man, I'm really excited. Like, uh, I, I'm actually really bummed because <clears throat> Elise is going out of town this weekend. And mm-hmm. She was like, "You have to wait on me."
0: She didn't <laughs> want you, didn't want you to watch it yeah, without her. Oh, yeah. that's a bummer. I know. So it would be the perfect time to watch it too. Right.
1: I know. So I'm like, I, you know, I will, I will do my duty and uh, and hold back. But yeah, I'm really excited to dive into it. Uh, so that'll be that'll be what I'll be doing for the next week if you need anything from me
0: and we'll dig into it more in some future episodes we should probably do an episode we've already we did an episode on daredevil back in the it's a bird that Planted a podcast days but i guess we could do another one on him I'd, now or maybe like on kingpin or bullseye or something i think
1: you know what we should yeah tyler alluded to it earlier but we were we're gonna do uh hulkman and hulk girl or just Hawkman.
0: I think Hawkman and Hot Hawk Girl. Okay, that's yeah. what that's who I was at least working on yeah. for the for yeah. the script that I put together. And we even we like I said earlier we have a we have a special guest for that right. episode that I want to make sure that we use. And it was a really good interview. It was a really good conversation.
1: Yeah, so we have that coming up for you guys. And but yeah, I think like I actually going back to that old episode, I really liked what we did where we focused on that uh, Bendis run or Brew Baker, the Brew Baker mm-hmm. run. Brubaker
0: or Bendis, one of the two. That was really. That great. feels almost like a better way to do it, doesn't it? Because yeah. Daredevil has so many like iconic creators behind him, from the Frank Miller run to the Brian Michael Bendis run, uh, to the Brubaker run, and then even to the most recent run. We were just talking about this last weekend, Chris. Mark Wade's just wonderful run on the character, uh, which which was fantastic, which was great too. He has a really. I mean, you have to go back to like the Clinton era before you find a really anything less than a stellar creative team on the character.
1: Yeah, it really is like that I think that that's a good opportunity for our listeners to really understand like some of these core stories that uh we, you know, we personally get to dig into as we're doing mm-hmm. our research. And so uh so yeah, I really I think that, that could be I think that, that could be fun to uh go back through that again and yeah, take everyone along with us.
0: Do you want to speaking of comic books, we uh we we both decided to bring just a a run of comics just to recommend, just out of the blue. We have we have nothing to tie ourselves down this time. Uh, <laughs> no character. We can just kind of go go hog wild. Uh so we both brought a comic book series that we recommend to anybody who wants to is just looking to buy the new something else to read uh for your next plane flight or for your your upcoming Thanksgiving holidays. Here. You get time to get ready. Uh Chris, what do you want to talk about? So
1: I finally picked up Saladin Ahmed's Black Bolt and Oh man.
0: Yeah I, love that I
1: get it now. Like I knew oh, that so good. I knew that it won the Eisner Award and I was very like I also didn't realize this was Black Bolt's first standalone book. Right. Yeah, yeah, that that was like that was incredibly surprising to me because I've read you know, I've read a lot of inhuman books where he was the focus. Um but yeah, I never actually considered he's never had a standalone book. And man, like, if this is your introduction to a character, it is breathtaking and haunting. And really, like, it's tragic. There, like, there's some tragic beauty to the story that Ahmed tells. And um, so, yeah, I think, like, getting through, like, the a great introduction is just picking up the first two arcs. Um, of this i I mean you can if you have a marvel unlimited subscription those two arcs are available to you and um yeah i don't know like even even the i feel like even black bolt like having his powers dampened or alluvusing his ability to speak is a bit of a trite plot point at this point but the story is just really good and I, i can't recommend it enough i know you've also read it um Tyler so
0: I love it I, I love that series I think one thing that Saladin Ahmed who's a, sort of a newcomer to Marvel and has made a name for himself very very quickly with extremely uh, introspective and emotionally vulnerable stories he d- does this one he does a. he's currently working on a book called Exiles and uh, he's taking over Spider-Man the Miles Morales Spider-Man run uh, at the start of the new year so uh, I and I I really love his work. And one thing that I think he's really good at is deconstructing his male heroes. He takes his male characters to extremely vulnerable places. And I think there's been a lot of focus, very rightfully so, on getting more strong female characters into superhero comics. And I support that, and I know Saladin Ahmed does too. He has a very active Twitter feed where he talks about that a lot, and and he has a lot of really thoughtful things to say about it. But he's also focused, I remember one uh, thing in particular that he said is that he wants to focus on what it means to be a weak male character, uh, what does it look like for a for a, a superhero to be weak, to embrace their weakness, to live in their weakness? Uh, Is something that superhero comics and that men in general are not very good at in this country. And Saladin Ahmed really uh, explores that with a lot of nuance and a lot of tenderness, too, in this Black Bolt run.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, what better way to do that than taking truly one of the most powerful... Like mm-hmm. a hero who has one of the biggest power, like most powerful power sets uh, in comics and just strip him of that.
0: And putting him up against uh, crusher Creel, who's sort of this uh, typically portrayed as this very brute uh, B list bad guy. Who's just uh, kind of a, a blue collar uh, workhorse uh, often depicted as sort of a, a henchman and, and sort of a dummy and in this comic, Solidan Ahmed imbues him with so much personality and, and character and has a lot of affection, even for his antagonists, for his villain characters in this, the way he, he shows them. It makes me really excited for what's to come for, the, for his comic book writing future. Yeah, same. What about you? Uh, so I wanted to bring up a uh, a run that I'm really enjoying so far and, and that I'm, I feel like is really only going to get better in the future. Scott Snyder, who really made a name for himself doing the last run of Batman in the New 52, uh, which introduced Court of Owls, uh, w- which was a very successful Batman story. He's now taken over Justice League where he so he's got a Justice League team together pretty closely mirroring the Justice League team that was in the movie with the added he also has Hawkman and Hot Girl added to it as well as Martian Manhunter uh so that's his new book and so far I think it's just great he does what I wish the DC movies would do and that he has a very he understands that he's working in a sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not really interested in, in like dark brooding here. And, then, and he did this with Batman too. And he was even criticized for it, but I kind of admired it where he said, this is not, Batman is not going to be a, uh, Christopher Nolan esque Batman. My Batman is going to be in a world where there's lots of crazy inventive gadgets. there's lots of really weird like psychopath villain bad guys and they have crazy plots. It was almost as indebted to the old 60s TV show as it was to anything Christopher Nolan did. But unlike the 60s TV show, it was badass. It was really cool. <laughs> and he brings that same energy to the Justice League. It's funny it's written by somebody who understands that there is a huge sandbox of DC characters and tropes and past uh, inventions to work with and to pull from and just to play around with a little bit and see, just kind of see what happens. It feels like somebody who's an imagination is just really on fire and that's what i've really enjoyed about reading it so far he's just about to move into a new arc that's called drowned earth that is going to prominently feature aquaman as dc starts sort of forefronting aquaman to get ready for the movie coming out in december and we don't know how that movie is going to be but i'm definitely excited for what's going to happen with the character in the comic books because it feels like they've set the stage for some great stories uh, obviously as we've talked about Kelly Sue DeConnick, a writer we love, is taking over the Aquaman title. Can't wait to see. But Scott Snyder, if you're just interested in reading just a gonzo bonkers adventure in which literally anything could happen on any page, then I'd say Justice League in the comics is a great way to, great direction to go right now.
1: I was just looking there are currently only nine issues out and so it's really easy to pick up and Nover- yeah, November 13th is when the first trade of the first six issues comes out. So I don't know, put it on your Christmas list if you,
0: I, I think I'm going to go buy the trade actually. I've got the yeah. single issues, but I kind of want that like kind of like sometimes I just go and get, I treat trades kind of like, like records, like buying vinyl records. Sure. I probably already have access to the music on Spotify, but sometimes you just want it. Yeah. I don't know. That probably sounds super privileged. I feel like I'm talking like I'm a super rich person. That's just <laughs> not the case. Yeah, I, 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 don't know. I like outing trades.
1: I like digital and then getting trades if it's just like if it's one of those standout stories. I think, you know, if it's something that is really like the visions, for instance, like fantastic example of something you just need on your book. Oh, it's
0: so cool. Trades, we should we should clarify uh, is uh, is when they collect all the single issues of a comic book. Into th- that comprise one overarching story into a single book that you can buy usually in a in a hardback sometimes in a paperback uh, those those are called trades and a lot of times they have like cool extra artwork or thoughts from the creators that you didn't see beforehand and and it, they're not always worth the extra investment but the the visions one Tom King's vision run definitely is worth the investment it's awesome
1: Tyler bought me that if anyone's curious
0: it was really sweet oh I actually even forgot about that. But oh, it's <laughs> 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 All right, are we ready to move into the spoiler zone? Spoiler zone. Woo. The, pew, 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 pew. the spoiler zone. <laughs> We're talking about Avengers for potential, potential spoilers. These are just rumors that we've picked up on the internet. It could be water cooler chatter. It could be total lies. They're just things that are floating around on Twitter that we think are interesting right now. If you want to be totally surprised, then stop listening to this now. But if you want to hear some of the things we've heard that may possibly could be part of the next Avengers movie, then keep listening. Let's start with the with the name, the potential name of the movie. Sure. So, uh, as far as I've seen, there are two possibilities. One of which is significantly more likely than the other, because I, yeah. I know that the big, the big rumor, the one that I feel like is most likely, uh, which I kind of like, is Avengers Annihilation. Which
1: I like that too. I like that for multiple reasons. I so
0: the big reason I like it is because Annihilation is a reference to uh, a comic book run that I really love, that I, I wish Ryan was here because I know he loves the Annihilation run of the comics, which is this big, cosmic, very intergalactic uh, storyline from, I think, 2009, 2010, if I'm remembering correctly, w- in which a villain from another dimension called Annihilus starts to invade our universe with his undead army. And it gets into this, it, it's very Star Warsy. It involves this sort of insect-like horde uh, versus a lot of the the big cosmic players in the Marvel Universe, like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Nova is a big part of that as well. Thanos is very involved, and so is Ultron. I don't know. I really love that storyline, and I feel like Annihilus would be an interesting way to tie all this together. The rumor that I've seen, and we're going to get very technical here for a second. I'm trying to make this as easy as I can. Is that back? in the during the creation of Deadpool the writing of the Deadpool movie Fox Studios really wanted ne- Negasonic Teenage Warhead who acts as sort of Deadpool's female uh, sidekick in that movie Disney said that they could have her they could use her in the Deadpool movie but in return they wanted two things the first one which is confirmed is Ego the Living Planet who was the villain in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. The second thing, which is unconfirmed, which is just a rumor, is Annihilus, who would potentially then be the villain for Avengers Annihilation, which would seem to confirm the rumor that that's the name of the movie. How am I doing so far?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's actually really interesting. So I feel like... <sighs> I don't know like how much I've put into stock of... Like Thanos still not being the main villain. Like it feels like a lot to bring in Annihilus as
0: I agree. That would be sort of a risk on their part to make the second Thanos Avengers movie kind of relegate Thanos to being one of potentially two bad guys.
1: Yeah. I feel like it cheapens like this like power, like you know, this like dominant like force that he is when he is on screen. Yeah, that that it, it will be interesting, and I, I think I really need to brush up on my history with the Annihilation Run because was in that run Thanos is helping Annihilus. So this
0: is almost a lieutenant, like kind of a second in yeah. command, but very much one who has his own agenda throughout, right. and he sort of, in the course of that story, emerges as the main villain instead of starting out as one,
1: right. Yeah, and I we don't should know. say
0: that just because it's the movie may be called Annihilation does not mean they'll be borrowing from the Annihilation comic book series at all. Uh, some of these past movies have used uh, titles from past comic book runs, but have followed them 0%. Uh, Ragnarok would be an example of that, which had almost nothing to do with the actual Ragnarok story in the Thor comics. So this is all, again, purely speculation. But it, but if the title is Annihilation, then there is a character called Annihilus who is very much a a major figure in a comic book run called Annihilation, which could potentially be in play for this movie.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. I think the the one main like thing that I really like with Annihilus being introduced is that his home planet is in the negative zone, mm-hmm. and. I know our good friends in the Fantastic 4 have had some run-ins in the negative zone so like it could if they wanted to say like if there's anything in them that wanted to point to that's where they've been all this time and that's where they get their powers I think that they could make a case for that story but yeah that's like the only positive that I really see coming out of that <laughs> and also I will say that I will say that like that doesn't necess- that all Annylas being introduced as like another villain doesn't really enter anything like any of the other like spoilers that I have come across. Here. So like okay. I feel think I still okay. think that Thanos is going to be the main like our main uh, antagonist protagonist. Antagonist. Hammerhead. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, Whatever you what have you? Um, yeah. So I think that I think that we're still going to see Th- Thanos as the main one. I think if they are going to go with annihilation, then that's going to you know, it might just be just for the name's sake. I think that the Russos have even come out recently and said something along the lines of while like they might, you know, utilize names, it doesn't necessarily mean that like they're always okay. going to follow the book. You know, I didn't so. see that,
0: but that's, that's good to know. That's good to be aware of. Uh, so let's talk about some like more minor, but I'm sure you've seen this is a, a big one. First of all, that Avengers 4 perhaps takes place uh, some time after the events of infinity war, maybe five years after infinity war ends, Mm -hmm. which is interesting.
1: It is. It is. It adds a little bit of
0: weight to the, to the end of infinity war.
1: Right. Like it, it makes you like, if you jump in, if you jump into Avengers four and you're like, Oh wait, like we are like years removed from this huge event that's happening. And like, People are, you know, moved on. It's kind of like the leftovers, right? Like you have. It's very
0: much like the leftovers. You have this, which Chris and I adore—a yes. show that we we really love. Uh,
1: and in it, it picks up right where like two two percent of the population immediately just vanishes, mm-hmm. and the fallout of that is, you know, how do you cope and how do you move forward when something like that happens? And I think that, like, you know, looking at the bigger picture of what the MCU just experienced. Um, you know, people are going to, people are going to be coping in many different ways. And so witnessing how these like people who we've held on, you know, a supernatural pedestal for so long, actually deal with the fallout of something like this is going to be, it'd be really interesting. Yeah. Seeing like, you know, who, who comes together, who sticks around. And um, yeah, I will, I will say like, even some of the stuff that I have seen, I, like i definitely uh, I, I i'm just so excited i can't i can't wait and, and from what i've heard the trailer should be there there are three dates that they're looking at for the trailer oh, okay Um, like in the third week of november or potentially like a solid date that i saw was december 12th for on good morning, good morning america
0: okay um, so, so it could be like a month from now or maybe six weeks
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I don't think it's like I don't think it's incredibly far off. And going back to uh, going back to that Reddit user who had an insight onto the Civil War um, trailer, they were kind of the ones who were giving this insider knowledge. Um, and even that, like as they were walking through some of the trailer details, there's still a lot of rough copy. I mean, they just wrapped up, uh, they just wrapped up some of the reshoots in production in Atlanta. And I think that they have a little bit more to do in Japan, um, as far as the production schedule goes. And then like, they should be fully, fully wrapped. Okay. I think that they I think it's all been a little bit confusing because there have been several times where they've said we're wrapped And like, we're done filming (laughs) and, and then like, Oh, we're, you know, like they're back at, like, you know, they're back in Atlanta or, you know, they're back, you know, wherever else. So, so yeah, I know it's, I feel like it has been a little bit confusing for people who have been following it, um, a little, but yeah, like, I think, I think we'll see something, you know, definitely before mid December.
0: So another one that I'm intrigued by, and this is a, a potential spot, and this was, this is mostly based off of, um, some early leaks at some of the toys that have, which is a kind of a frequent source of spoilers is, is photographs of uh, toys that come out is that the quantum realm as introduced in Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the wasp is going to potentially play a pretty significant role in this next movie. Have you heard that?
1: Yeah. What, uh, what toys did you see?
0: I saw pictures of Thor and rocket rocket raccoon okay. in, in the
1: white suits
0: and the white suits that look like look very similar to the suits that uh, were used to go into the quantum realm and uh, direct the director of Ant-Man and the Wasp Peyton Reed uh, strongly hinted that there were some spoil some Easter eggs in the background of his movies for Avengers four, what appears to be some sort of city in the back of uh, the quantum realm when Hank Pym goes back to find his wasp, find his wasp, find his wife, <laughs> the wasp, <laughs> in, in, uh, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, there does seem to be, she wasn't alone there. She wasn't by herself in the quantum realm. So evidently that is going to play some sort of significant role, at least in Avengers 4, possibly even in the future of the MCU.
1: Yeah, no, that's, I, I mean, one of the biggest things to like really set up Avengers Four was the extra of scene of Ant Man and Wasp uh, as Scott is going in the, into the quantum realm, right. um, and one of the things that Hank Pym says to him is uh, along the lines of, you know, if he stays there too long, he might get caught, like you know, might get caught in like a time drift or something like that. I only saw it once, um, but it just hints to this like potential idea of time travel so you know how does that play into you know what's actually coming which like it could be really interesting just to see how they like they end up actually like tying all this stuff together yeah i think our i i i'm very glad that like the biggest like i mean the biggest unknown is you know like i think we're all like just kind of waiting on like it to come out and just learn like okay who is and who isn't going to be in our future like who are we actually losing Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. because at this point we know that something has to be reversed just because of all the stuff with spider-man and
0: we know that there's going to be the people we lose at the end of infinity war are not going to be the people that we ultimately lose but we're going to lose somebody
1: right so yeah i mean and they do they i mean for all the like small little leaks that you know, come out here and there, they do a really good job of keeping the lid on, Uh, you know, the the lid on like the overall story. So, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think, I think a lot of people had an idea of how Infinity War was going to end with the snap but I don't think that they thought that they were really going to do it. Um, there was never any like confirmation that that was going to happen. Uh, and then they did it. And it, you know, it made for a really amazing, uh, amazing moment.
0: That was such a moment. We were, we were together. We saw it for the first time in the theaters, uh, you and me together. And, and man, that was just quite a, that was like such an emotional experience. I was ready for somebody to die. I was maybe ready for a couple people to die. I wasn't ready for the extent of the, of the loss that was yeah
1: hot. to hear all the verbal like vocal reactions in yeah. that theater it was it, it was such a cool experience it was quite a moment that like opening yeah.
0: night thing oh uh, and we're really we're getting really close to having another one of those i
1: know We'll we'll i will have captain marvel and then we'll jump right into that so. captain
0: marvel in march i believe and then avengers 4 whatever it's called i think in may if i remember right yep yep and i think is that going to do it for us? Is that going to wrap it up?
1: You remember when we were like, Hey, this would be like a really like quick a episode.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Without writing and hand around, we could really, we could really go off on a rapid rabbit- I don't know if anybody, I hope people are still listening. I hope people enjoyed. I hope people, <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode, everybody. Um, we do really appreciate it. We do really appreciate it. Especially the times when you listen to us, when we're just kind of going off on like crazy nerd tangents that that could or could not happen. We have no idea. We do hope that you'll continue to give us good reviews on our podcast episode page on Apple. That's how more people get to see what we're doing. And the more of those positive reviews we get, the more uh, and crazier and weirder characters we'll be able to tackle, which we will be tackling with our next episode. We want to make sure we're saying thanks to CM Studios, uh, Chad Michael Snavely and Jesse. Keep us sounding good in the ones and twos. And uh, with that, we will all be back next time. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chris Hundblood, and we need for thanks, citizen. We will see you next time. Thanks, everybody.